coming up this week, I have a special interview with managing director and CTO of Formula E's Envision Virgin Racing, Silvan Filippi, and chief digital officer at GenPact, Sanjay Srivastava, about the passion behind the race against climate change and how the latest technology can help make all the difference. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 74 of the EV Resource Podcast. I'm Zach Hurst, and each week I bring you the latest EV news, information, and answers to your questions about electric vehicles. As you can see, I am not in the studio this week. I'm actually in Kansas, so bear with me. The audio quality is going to be different because I forgot to pack my mic. I guess it's better that we're doing this interview instead of all the news because you don't have to listen to me yakking. So with that in mind, let's get right into it. So I want to I want to thank you both for being able to join me and and talk a little bit about the the passion and drive uh, behind not only the the racing aspect of what um, uh, Envision Virgin Racing is doing, but the environmental and and the the impact that you guys are looking to have you know towards climate change and all of that and the role that GenPack is playing with that. Um, so so big, then, big questions. <laughs> Well, you know, it's, it's <laughs> big issues, you know, big, big yeah, exactly. Uh, I'll, I'll try to, of course, make the, the, uh, you know, I'm not going to like drop anything on you, <laughs> you know, so I want to make it <laughs> su super easy. Um, but Sylvan, I'll, I'll, I'll start with you, you know, um, Envision Virgin Racing is the first carbon neutral team in Formula E. And if you could take a minute to just speak on how important that distinction is for you, but then also if, if you don't mind speaking for the team, uh, you know, for the team as a whole as well. Sure. For me, it's easy to explain. It's, it's pretty obvious, right? Like we started the team, formally, you know what formally is all about, right? Like accelerating the adoption of electric cars. As a team, we go and, and doing two things, developing the actual tech, the tech in the formally cars is, is incredible and, and filtering down to road cars. And the second pillar is the media, huge media platform, like like any large sport. Um, then, as a team, you have twelve teams in the in the championship. Most teams are are or very strongly affiliated to car manufacturers, which is great. That's how the tech is filtering down to road cars. All good. Our positioning is slightly different, where whereby we are. Our team is owned by a renewable energy company, a green tech company, actually a net zero company. Um, so we can go a bit further. We, what we're interested in is really educate and talk about the adoption of electric cars and, and, and making electric cars as, as sexy and interesting as possible, but also linked to renewable energy, the bigger picture, um, because that's where we're really making a difference. Of course, at the end of the day, where the energy comes from, whether it's transportation or anything else we do, heating, industry, whatever that is, is the key, key part of the problem. So this is our, our, our purpose. This is what we are here to do. And I strongly believe uh, that you have to lead by example, uh, you have you have to practice what you what you preach. So it's very obvious to me that we had to be, we had to not only be carbon neutral, but we had to operate the team under the highest and most stringent um, standards out there possible. Just because otherwise, what we would what we say would be less credible. Um, some teams or companies don't think like that. That's the way I think. It just makes my life easier. Uh, makes it easier to to explain. So so yeah, we are. We've been doing that for a number of years, uh, leading the way in motorsport and in sport in general, actually. Um, and we are trying for no profit uh, whatsoever. There's no commercial gain whatsoever, but we are trying to inspire um, 
all the other Formula E teams, as well as other motorsport teams, as well as many other teams. We are talking to football teams and, and others to try to do the same thing because ultimately, it's not to, that bit is not a competition, right? The more, the more teams do it, the better for everyone. So, so we're not looking for glory or, or, as I said, commercial profit. It's purely, this is the right thing to do. Formally, which is just the easiest, probably the easiest platform to start with because of the nature of, of what we do. Naturally. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, and of course, uh, with electric racing, you know, the transition to electric transportation, transportation but also electric motorsport, um, you know, from, from our perspective uh, with EV Resource, that is one of the most important things that can be done to impact, you know, future climate change um, in a positive way that we can all make that switch. So to be able to use the platform of racing, the, all of the research and development that goes into the EV motors and the battery technology and the charging technology. And Sanjay, I'm going to um, flip over to you for a second because the technology that GenPact is involved with, with Envision Virgin Racing, um, that will ultimately flow to other areas of the transportation, you know, um, with electric vehicles in general and, and just being able to use the data acquisition and, and AI. One of the things that I was most surprised to learn was how GenPacks work with Envision Racing uh, or Envision Version Racing um, has enabled the team to really accurately predict the number of laps in a race. Um, and I was hoping that you could talk about that for a little bit and, and then also how you guys were able to use that same technology for Melting Point and, you know, I mean, it was kind of cool to just be able to predict how long, you know, or how much ice is going to be lost over a 24 hour period. Uh, I, I am a, a, a geek for technology, but it's not something that I know a lot about. So I'm hoping you can help enlighten me. No, absolutely. And, and look, uh, uh, Zach, uh, uh, the work we're doing with Envision Virgin Racing is, uh, is, is fantastic. And we're so passionate about it. And here's why. So I'll, I'll first answer a question of what we do, right? So, um, you know, with a, with a, let's just say an opportunity or a challenge like that, you've got to start at a foundation of data because if you don't have the data, you can't even get started at the problem. And, the rea and, and I see this with large enterprises across the world, right? You've got to rig yourself up to be able to capture the data that you will need to be able to make decisions, right? And the advantage here with uh, Salman's team is that right from the get-go, we've got all of the telemetry built in, we've got all the external uh, data feeds built in. So we actually have a really rich foundation of data. And on the back of that, we're building AI algorithms and analytics toolkits that allow us to do what AI, what computers do better than humans, which is to spot weak links, to be able to deal with high speed data velocity, right? So there's some things that humans do really well and AI will never replace. Judgment is one of them. That's human forever. But prediction, which is an AI capability is well ahead of human capability. And so what we're doing is we're using artificial intelligence and other analytics, advanced analytics tools to basically model, find the weak links, draw the insights and connect it to things that impact race performance. So, so you picked one, right? Which is estimating battery. And you know, look, even if you broaden from car racing to actually the world of mobility and, and electric cars, electric vehicles, you know, one of the biggest issues is just the battery performance. How long does it last? How do you most effectively use it, right? That's a big one. 
And we believe the work we're doing here that allows us to actually win the race, if you will, is exactly the same sets of algorithms that will eventually translate into the cars you and I drive and make them more efficient and therefore more long lasting and therefore more usable and therefore much more adopted and progress on the journey. So we're super excited. Um, you know, we come, to the, we come to the problem with a data and AI lens, if you will. And so we see a different side of the racing circuit than Silvan sees. We work very closely together and it's been fascinating work to do. That's really well, and, awesome. Yeah, go. And then go ahead. we've used, well, I was just going to say, and then we've used that same mindset, data and then analytics and then AI, right? You think about those three foundations and applied it to the melting challenge. And look, the melting challenge is a broader story because I think the idea there is, um, you know, there is a change management component to transformation. Let me take a step back. I don't know how much you know about Genpak. Our first calling in life is not, uh, I hate to tell Salvan this, is not racing. Our first calling in life is we work with large Fortune 500 companies and we help them transform through digital. So we're taking big, complex, large operations that are spread across countries. And we're saying, how do we re-engineer that with digital capability to be able to transform that? And if you come to it, that is the data and insights and a change management problem. Really, that's what we do. I mean, you can get past supply chain and finance and this and that and the, all, the, all the fun stuff we do. If you really boil it down, it's data, it's analytics and insights, it's AI, and then it's change management. And one of the things we loved about the melting um, ice project was that it's climate change is, a, is actually a change management issue and it's a data and analytics problem. We have the data, we've got to get more data, we have to drive the insights, and then we have to help use that to help change sort of our approach, right? Our as in the plural us, everyone's approach. And, and so that's why we love that and we use the same approach and it's worked really well. Excellent, excellent. So, I mean, the work that you guys are doing with all of the technology um, and the data acquisition and analysis and providing that type of feedback, um, really in, in, you know, in the moment, you know, it's it's not like you're looking back and, and giving a report a month later. I mean, it's it's live in the moment. Where do you see the partnership with Envision Version Racing, or what what impact do you hope uh, that these efforts will make towards the bigger picture of being able to push the mission forward? I think uh, I think the work we're doing today, right, and no doubt it's all about um, helping Silvan and his team win. But when you fundamentally come down to what's behind that, we're developing the algorithms that allow us to use battery more efficiently. We're developing capabilities that allow us to predict uh, competitor behavior and broaden that for one second, other driver behavior in the streets, you and I are gonna be driving and our kids are gonna be driving 10 years from now, predict that behavior and react accordingly, right? So that's all around safety and, 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 the, and the safe use of EVs. They, these algorithms that we're building today, I mean, and you've seen the tracking, uh, you've seen this track with so many other things. The stuff we built today that actually translates down into the industry, right? And think about space travel, think about, you know, think about cellular technology we're using, think about GPS technology. All of this started with a very pointed niche specific advanced use. And then as we progress, it kind of permeates down. And, you know, my dog has a GPS tag on him now. And it's, it's amazing how far we've come. And, and so it's very much the same thing. I mean, the things we're building today will become what our kids will use uh, and advanced versions of that are what our kids are going to use tomorrow or, or, a, or years from now. And so it's been really, really fun being part of this exercise with Silvan. You know, the other thing about um, EVR as a team is, um, you know, 
the design philosophy, right? So it is, yeah, of course, it's about winning races, but the way Silvan thinks about climate change, the way we think about long-term sustainability of, uh, of mobility, the way we think about, um, you know, what the world's going to be, I think that those are really inspiring. And, and so it's been fun. Excellent. Excellent. Um, Selvan, back to you. The, the passion that is apparent that really all, all of us here today share, um, it's, it's not something that is uh, widespread, uh, I would say, enough. You know, it's definitely very unique. Um, and obviously with Envision Virgin Racing, you know, you guys have almost a, a primary goal of the racing against climate change. And then winning races is the way to highlight that versus winning races being the ultimate goal. And, and that's something that, that I admire quite a bit. Um, I'm curious, when did, when did you personally become so passionate about uh, the planet, which our home, you know, you know, this is, this is the only home we have. Um, and, and then also what recommendations would you be able to give uh, that the average person can make in, in the changes in their own lives to help further this cause? <clears throat> so many layers um, and answers, but yeah, you, you first you're spot on on your analysis, right? We can be very insular, especially motorsports can be not a club, but can be a very relatively small environment of a few thousand people. And you can get the false assumption that actually, yeah, we all get it. It's going to be fine. And actually you go in the outside world and it's nowhere near the same. Um, so you're absolutely spot on on your analysis. So yeah, I'll give you a few insights and then uh, please ask more questions. I might miss a few, but um when did it start was very easy. I, um, I, I'm a car guy. I, I, graduated, I did a business school in France. I graduated in 2003 and I worked in for Mercedes-Benz, BMW, very traditional OEM car manufacturer career. Uh, then I moved into consulting. So a big long-term strategic project for car manufacturers. And that's when I discovered electric cars. It was in 2007. Um, and we were doing big consulting projects for future models of electric cars you know, the Nissan Leaf and a bunch of others that were not on the road yet. And our projects were around, you know, the business model, are they going to get leased, purchased, what size, you know, and at the time, batteries were so expensive. The main question was how big the battery, you know, to get the long range, but to get to this yeah. range at the time, the cost of the vehicle was exorbitant. So like huh. all these questions, right? So that's when I got really exposed and interested in electric cars. And then the passion really started when I got to drive one. So I drove the very first Tesla Roadster in the UK in 2008, I think it was, um, around the track. Got really lucky to do that with others and just blew my mind. I was, I was used to performance cars and high, high performance cars through my work before, but it just blew my mind. And then I, yeah, so commission of work and this and other factors got me really interested. And I really dug into the engineering of it. And um and realized that actually an electric motor as a component is far better suited to move any form of vehicles on an Intel combustion engine, both because of its raw characteristics of, of instant torque and, and all the things we know, uh, reliability and so on. Since then, I can I, I cannot get excited by a combustion car. I just can't. <laughs> it's just an inferior product um, from an engineering point of view. So, and since then, the batteries, of course, the batteries advancements have been incredible. So, the powertrain on the electric motor side, inverter has always been far superior than anything a combustion can do. Batteries, what was what holding it back, and now, of course, batteries we see an incredible um, incredible uh, progress being made simply because of the sheer scale of resources and engineering talent and you know, being invested in development of it. Um, 
so it makes sense. So that's kind of how it how it started. And you know, but I'm key. You know, I had a race driver a few years ago who had a, you know, arrived had a very fast petrol cars, and the, literally the very first thing I did was a drag race with this guy with an electric car to make him understand in 10 seconds that his car was really crap compared to mine. And it, it was electric. <laughs> first thing I did, right? Like <laughs> set things right. Um, yeah, and then and then you get um, and then and then the passion comes, right? And then Formula E is an incredible project simply because we're trying to address this key point, right? At the end of the day, I really my personal view is that things will really change. Things will change, right? It's happening. It's no question. The question is when, and we need to happen. We need it to happen faster, right? So I want things will happen faster in terms of transitioning to electric cars and renewable energy and so on. Simply, if people get it excited by it and if the product is better so up to now we've been relying on government incentives and that kind of things which kind of makes sense they were needed it's all fine but really as soon as possible it's very simple every electric car on the market needs to be better in every single way than a combustion car it needs to be cheaper faster smoother better more reliable whatever no maintenance no hassle it needs to be better and we are we are there like we know the tech can do it uh, it's a question of you know mass production now which is very difficult uh, mass products, mass producing goods is one of the most difficult things you can do. Um, so, so that's where we are. So that's the whole point of Formula E. You know, racing. That's the one thing that Formula E is not reinventing: is the power of sport and the power of motorsport to get people excited by something on four wheels. Um, it just happens to be very fast electric cars. So, yeah. So race by race. You know, we had 400 million people watching on average every year. That's a lot of people. They talk to their friends, they watch more races, and you know, gradually we reach a lot of people. Um, and the idea is to get them excited uh, by very electric, very fast electric race cars, but also very good racing. If the racing was boring, then they'll watch once and then they disappear. You want them to come in, it needs to become normal, right? We need to normalize the fact that electric cars are here when they hear EVs are the future. No, they're not, they're, they're, they're now, you know, they're really good now. So if people get used to see electric racing every two, three weeks and the racing is great and the cars go 180 miles an hour and they do that for an hour, you know, you see it once and twice and three times and after 10 times, they're like, yeah, it's normal. And then when you go and buy your next electric car, you don't question whether your electric car can go to school and back. Of course it can. Like it's, uh, it's, it's the long-term, it's a long-term approach, but basically we have to make the tech desirable the cars have to be the best and here it's no secret you start from the top race cars there's nothing better than that then there'll be a lot of premium sports cars already on the market more and more coming every week and then now we are reaching the very exciting phase where actually it's the affordable cars that are coming now and next year in the next two years and that's the tipping point right like when the kind of average priced sedan small size suv whatever is becoming the correct price and is better in every way that's when the tipping point kind of happens so yeah i don't know if that answers your question but yeah, yeah. No, no no that's great um uh, i would i would say the, the one part what would you say is the most important thing that somebody that's just general public you know they're, they're not necessarily uh, the, uh, very influential they don't have um you know a, a lot of money or anything what what can the what steps can somebody the average person take to really make a difference when it comes to uh you know helping to fight the the progression of climate change sure sure and that, that's the bigger question beyond mobility right because we know transportation is around 30 35 percent of the problem then you have the energy where the energy comes from not just for the car but for everything else that's another, another third 
and the rest is industry and whatever. Most people don't have a direct impact on that. So, so we kind of know all the answers, right? But short term, it really depends on the segmentation of the population and which country you live in, right? So, of course, these are the wealthy part of the population. No one should ever buy a diesel SUV ever again, right? Like these shouldn't be made anymore. So if you can afford one of these, just buy something electric. You know, that's that's the first thing. Um, and there are a lot of debates. I, I know a fair bit around, you know, what is the carbon emissions of an electric SUV, even if it's powered by coal or whatever. And you can go through greed each country and whatever. Long story short, it's a lot better very quickly. And it's many, many times better over the life cycle. So anyway, that's what people need to do. And then, as I said... Two years from now, it's already starting now, but let's say, let's give ourselves another two years. Most kind of average price cars, right, to stay in mobility, there will be a very credible EV alternative to these without making really any compromise on your day-to-day -day life. So I'm really hopeful that's when, you know, millions of people are going to switch. That's the mobility side. Um, one that's not always very talked about and really depends per country, right? So I'm not going to pretend I know the situation in every country in the world, but in many countries, as a household, you can actually switch to renewable energy for zero additional cost. Quite often, it's actually cheaper. Uh, it's definitely the case in the UK. I don't know about the US, uh, Sanjay, and, and others, but you can make the, it takes a bit of time to do some research and then look into it. But in many cases, you go to um, an energy utility company that will certify that the energy is uh, fully renewable. That's definitely going the right direction because first, of course, it's better for the household, but it's, it means the money is being funneled to the right places where the money is then invested on renewable energy and it basically feeds the pipeline. So that's something that everyone should do really. I'm sure there are maybe some countries where it doesn't work out, but in a lot of countries that works. And then the other aspects we all know, right? Like ultimately, as much as we have electric cars, if you need to go two miles down the road, just walk or cycle on, anyone can do that, right? I try to do that myself um, as much as I can. Um, and then the last one, which, you know, my team had a big debate, you know, around um, food and nutrition, you know, and red meat, and we've all read about that, right? So my team had, we had a debate internally on, you know, whether we should talk about this, because we all know if we all cut the amount of red meat we eat, it makes a gigantic difference on climate change, right? Yes. It's true. We all know it. The question is, am I the right, am I the credible person to talk about this? <laughs> I don't, I don't work in agriculture or farming or right. I have zero expertise in the subject. I know it's true, but what I'm doing is repeating what someone else said. Yes. So it's probably true, but I don't really have any credibility to talk about it. So understood. That's all right. Um, yeah. So I know we're running up but against as a, as a as a thing. Though, for example, all our events, we don't serve any red meat at any of our teams' events, corporate events, or whatever things like that. They are little things, but you know yes. they they show the way, right? The the little things add up. Exactly. They do. Yeah. They do. Exactly. You know, and yeah. and that's why it 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 takes every one of us as individuals as a part of the whole to to make those small changes versus trying to expect the the entirety to change all at once you know exactly. it's all about defining what is cool right like all the behaviors in the like, many past decades people it's normal it's human being we we follow what is cool and so we have to define what is cool whomever is whomever the personalities the celebrities vips whatever these people that are very influential they need to be doing the right thing yes and then everyone else will, will follow right so Absolutely. Sanjay, I want to ask you one final question. Um, in terms of, you know, fighting climate change and using all of the data to do that, the relationship that you have uh, or that GenPak has with uh, Envision Version Racing, how do you see the future of that um, unfolding to really make the biggest difference possible? I'll give you two illustration points that I think will just bring the point out. I know we're running out of your time. 
Um, look, climate change is a very large problem, um, you know, and one of the problems we have with that is that it's very difficult to visualize, right? Most of us can't grok it. I mean, the earth has been around for what, 46 billion years. That's just a scale that we, I can't relate to, right? So if you take that scale and say, no, 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 convert it into human terms. So let's say it's been around for only 46 years. I'm just going to scale 46 billion to 46 yeah. years. If you did that, you know, we, we as in humanity, mankind have been around only for four hours. Guess what? The industrial revolution, all of the stuff that we've been enjoying so far has been around for one minute. Yeah, Think about living 46 years of your life, 45 and a half years, you've been doing your normal stuff. And then, and then, and then now you're coming into this. And then the last minute has been the industrial age. Guess what? 50% of the world's forests we've destroyed in that time. Oh. So you just put that into perspective, right? You said, this is our only home. We've been here for 46 years. We've, the, the world's been here. The home's been here for 46 years. We've only been here four hours. We've just had the industrial revolution for one for 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 one minute, and fifty percent of the world's forest is already gone. Right, so this is a big problem, and it's an awareness problem, and it's a scale problem, and people don't get it. And that's what we're trying to address with the climate change initiative. I like the way you put that. Well, it's just you know it's hard to relate otherwise. It's kind of like it becomes yeah, such yeah. a big problem you don't think about it. So that's yeah. important to keep that in perspective. I think the other thing I tell you is actually Silvan will tell you better than me, but I'll just I'll I'll tell you the work we're doing together. So he'll start the race with a car. It'll have a chassis, it'll have a battery, it'll have, an, it'll have all the stuff you need on it, right? He'll end the race. It's exactly the same car, identical. He hasn't changed one thing on the hardware. The software, by the way, got changed six times huh. in through the race season. And the car is ending up much more efficient, much more faster than where it started. And so these are tangible, tactical, specific, actual increases that we can see, we can feel. And so we're excited about the role of data and analytics and AI and putting them into play to solve for this problem at some scale and then expand it to a larger scale. And that's the journey we're on. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Well, I, we are at, uh, run out of time, but I want to thank both of you gentlemen. Thank you so very much for, for your time and joining me to, to talk about something that that it's, it's not an easy problem to, to approach, much less talk about and try to find some solutions. And I admire the work that both of you are doing to help combat this. And uh, so both of you, you have my utmost respect. John, thank, thank you very much. Thank, thank you for helping the, get the word out. It's such an important topic. So that's your show for this week. Thank you so much for watching and listening. I'm going to just keep the end short, sweet, to the point. I'll catch you next week. Thanks so much.